Hi listeners, I'm Ash. And I'm Z. And welcome back to Mistakes in the Making. So this week we have a really, really incredible guest that we just can't wait to chat with and honestly learn from. Her name is Archana Dhankar and introducing her is no easy task because she's accomplished so much throughout her career, but I'm going to try. So she's an integrated marketing strategist and works on brand management, content creation, consumer psychology, customer journeys, marketing automation, and employee engagement across a wide, wide range of channels and industries. She's also worked in diverse sectors, including financial services and business intelligence. And in addition to that, she runs an incredible, incredible blog called Fashion for Royals and many other social media accounts under that name that we are so obsessed with. And if you guys haven't checked it out, you have to right now. So yeah, hi Archana. I hope I did you justice with that introduction. We're so excited. Thank you, Ashna. I think that was like a long introduction and there was a lot of technical jargons out there. So I hope everybody <laughs> got that. But uh, yeah, really excited to be part of, uh, of the podcast today and talking to you and Zara as well. Uh, before we begin, I'm a huge fan of your Instagram and I saw that you recently posted about the TV show Emily in Paris. And I watched the whole show and I was like, wait, is this what Arjuna's life is like? You know, being like this fashionista content creator and also working at a marketing agency and just doing so well in her career and online stuff. So I just wanted to ask you, is that kind of how your life is? Is it, is it like Arjuna in London? I think uh, you are right. Like Emily in Paris, you could say is like Paris uh, example. But to be honest, when you move from a country to a different country, you always sometimes feel outsider. And that would be the case if uh, when I moved to London here as well. Uh, in terms of marketing, I think Emily in Paris is so fun. She does bring out some of the, you know, the real behind the scenes of how marketing agencies work. I wouldn't say everything is just uh, as correct. But yeah, I think uh, it does show how influence their industry and how the agency market works really so and I loved her sense of fashion like she was so gorgeous and <laughs> the clothes were amazing I'm thinking actually oh, of doing yeah. a reel of her outfit so we'll see that's a hush hush yeah oh my god we would love yes. that oh my god and like tell us where you get the outfits from because <laughs> I was seeing so many of them and I was like oh I need this Patricia the lady who did the outfits also did the sex mm -hmm. in the city outfits and She's just a master when it comes to this. Styling, yeah. So I guess our podcast is called Mistakes in the Making and it's all about navigating your life in your 20s and learning from the mistakes along the way. So I guess we'd like to know what was your journey like to become this successful blogger? Yeah, I think uh, we all make mistakes and we learn from our mistakes. My motto that I keep telling people I meet is always try to learn from others' mistakes as well, rather than making all of them on your own. <laughs> so otherwise, the life is too short, right? So yeah, I, I think uh, over years, I've learned a lot by doing blogging, by, you know, being in marketing as well, and just, you know, being around around people and learning from them. So uh, we make mistakes, but the most important thing is that you have to learn from them and grow as well and that's what mistakes are about mm -hmm. is, is growing as a person really yeah that's so true um I definitely know that we're still very young and making a lot of mistakes and we strive to have careers as successful as yours but were there any mistakes that you made in the initial days where, that you like think that other people could learn from yeah I think uh, what I would say is like 
I did computer engineering, though my passion was always fashion, which I've said. And then I went into marketing. So I've like jumped around careers. What I would say is if I would give somebody one advice is, you know, make sure you do what you really love in your education when you go up front to your colleges or universities and then try and make career into that rather than, you know, changing careers in between, because that kind of leaves the gap and it, mm-hmm. you kind of go back and then start again. So I don't want I don't wish that for anybody unless it's necessary. Mm. So yeah, getting those basics right and also do what you really love like because if it is your passion then you wouldn't feel like it's it's really hard work. You would just find it fun and you'd be motivated to put that extra effort to go go above and beyond. Yeah, yeah, cuz I know sometimes it isn't easy to convince I guess the people around you that this is my passion, it's not just a hobby and I want to pursue this seriously as a career. So did you face any of that or do you have any advice for young people that really are in that dilemma of what is a most quote unquote serious path versus a hobby? I think uh, hobbies do become you know serious uh serious work as we go through that i mean when you start even in any domain whether it's technology whether it's marketing you are just learning right so even as a hobby if you are serious if you're putting that effort people will see that it's important to you like when i started blogging alongside my job uh it started as a hobby it started as like one hour probably um, a week and then it moved on and i could my husband could see my family could see that i'm really motivated and i'm putting more time into this other than my work hours so you know people start to respect that over a time and they see you are improving as a person uh, and your skill is improving as well and that's where it matters is mm-hmm. you have to put time that you will have to find yourself nobody else will really find that for you yeah i i mean just in that sentence you said so many things like you have a full time job you also blog on top of that and create so much content daily on your instagram in fact and then you're also like a wife and you know you also have a lovely child and how do you manage all of that what's your routine like it it is actually a crazy routine i wouldn't say anything else but this is something that i've chosen nobody has actually forced me to you know do that right like my family hasn't asked me to you know have a job and have a blog on top so i feel really happy doing it 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 doesn't feel like it's a forced choice I find it fun and I find it exciting. Yeah, it's difficult balance. I couldn't have done this without my husband's support. For that matter, even my son sometimes, you know, supports me like he started learning how to click pictures. <laughs> 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 He's already learning how to use a pro camera. For his age, that's really strange, but uh I'd actually reveal that sometimes. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, he's he'll be 7 next month. So, yeah, using a pro camera for oh. his age is amazing, I would say. But yeah, I think as i said it it can't be done without support from your uh, you know your immediate family but at the same time it has to come from within and the motivation has uh-huh. to be there uh, sometimes i feel like you know there has to be a balance so i do take time out those are the days maybe i'll go and not even check my instagram i know that's not the thing i should be saying here <laughs> but i do take that digital detox you know wouldn't post on stories i think i did that just yesterday it was mental health mental health day and i thought you know why not take that time off you know be with my family and spend that quality time so yeah we all do that and it's necessary to balance out that extra hours the long sleepless nights as well 
I mean, yeah. you have like a full nine to five though. So do you actually like take a lot of photos over the weekend to post over the week? Because I imagine it must be so tough to keep up both like on a blog and have a nine to five. Yeah, you're right, actually. I think I've found that balance. So what happens is mm. um, I do have sometimes days off where I'm creating content during the weekdays as well. But yes, because I have a nine to five, most of my content creation is either early in the morning, late in the evening, if if the daylight hours are still there, but also over the weekend. So I would necessarily create uh, a big chunk of content during the weekend and then try and edit and post them during the weekdays. And that's how my calendar has been, uh, unless I'm traveling, then I do a lot of content creation again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has worked. And I was talking to a lot of blogger friends, even, you know, full-time bloggers, I wouldn't say would be creating content every day. There is a lot of mm-hmm. conceptualization, planning, and the back-end work, administration work that happens you know to managing a blog so we all take time sitting at our laptops and planning those things as well so during the weekdays I probably do that more and then content creation over weekend yeah I get that because time management is so important especially when you're doing many many things and I really like what you said before about keeping the balance between your professional and personal life and giving time and space to both And I guess I just wanted to know, sometimes you have one of those days where you don't feel like creating any content and maybe just hit a roadblock. And if so, how do you navigate through that? Yeah, I mean, uh, like yesterday I did not post anything, but it was more like, you know, I am focused on something else, so I wouldn't post. Sometimes it's also about making sure that I'm only posting quality on my channel so you know if I feel like what I have is in quality or my audience wouldn't relate to that that could be one of the reasons I'm not posting Um, in terms of like just thinking about what happens when I'm low yes we all have that right I had I'd had a day out today planned with my family and I felt like oh my god it is I feel like I just need a down day for at least a couple of hours just sitting and watching tv and not doing anything we all go through that and it's acceptable we can't work Mm -hmm. like a machine 24 hours uh, for like seven days a week. So, and it is important to take that downtime because when you do that, I feel like the, Mm -hmm. we are more productive the next day. So whenever I've had that switch off, I think the productivity of the brain goes faster for creative blogs. I guess, you know, it's also making sure that you have a lot of influence around you, which is creative. I think travel used to help me a lot. I'm definitely looking to travel when when that opens up. So yeah, traveling, ex- talking to different people, meet, going to new places, they all boost creativity. If I was just in my home creating content every day, day in and day out, I'm sure my creativity would definitely get hampered. I can definitely imagine that. Um, Yeah, so along that line, I feel like sometimes when, you know, Ashna and I tell people that we're podcasters, they kind of feel like, oh, that's not like a legitimate career. But I definitely believe that having a strong social media presence, if you use all these networking platforms in the right way, it can actually help boost you in whatever career and field you're in. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yes, I think one has to use this intelligently, right? Like I'm not saying that uh, it can it can be the only way to get across to people, mm-hmm. but social media is like having your own PR out there if you use it effectively and intelligently, right? So whether I'm in marketing, whether I'm I'm I have an e-commerce brand, or whether I'm I'm doing a podcast for that matter, or if I'm a writer. You know, all these creative fields, uh, social media and these all channels, including Instagram, 
or Twitter for that matter, or YouTube, or it could be Snapchat. These all channels basically give us a way to reach to and connect to our audience directly. Uh, imagine 50 years back when social media wasn't there actually. All we had was uh, print media uh, or maybe, you know, televisions to connect to the audience or radios. Now uh, we are blessed with this social media where on our fingertips we can connect with people, we can, you know, share our stories without having somebody else translate that for us. So I think this is a very, very powerful tool and we should all use it. Um, one doesn't need to have a million followers you know reach out to the right audience so you know i would say i would always said that you know follower numbers don't count you know as long as you're mm-hmm. reaching the audience that you want to connect to do you have mm-hmm. any advice or tactics that you have found that really helped you reach and connect to your audience and actually helped you in your professional life i think uh, one that i've always said is you know being authentic like you know being true to yourself you know with, especially with social media you can't go and change or depict something that you're not, it would clearly come out as fake. So being authentic, Mm -hmm. being true to yourself, and also being relevant. Like if people are talking about, you know, let's say yoga day, or if people are talking about COVID, I can't go ahead and start posting lots of uh, travel pictures on my on my channel. So this is more from my perspective is like, I have to be relevant and, you know, a current to what people really want to see and read. Mm -hmm. So and then try to be in that conversation, but still getting your point across. So how you can do that, that's, that's where social media counts. It's also about being driving that conversation to yourself, but being current. Yeah, I like that. I think it's tricky as well. So I, I might be oversimplifying it by saying that, but imagine, let's say if you are a social media agency, then just giving out tips might not work. Uh, on the channel you might have to come out and say you know what can brands do really today and getting them to show that you're expert in the field would actually attract brands to come to you and then you know talk to you for advice so it's also a bit of like showcase of your expertise at the same time Hmm. you know like you said being true to yourself is so important and I guess we all strive to put the most authentic version of ourselves forward Um, But I'm not going to lie. I mean, sometimes when we're recording the podcast, there are a few things that we do edit out or filter out from the conversation. And I guess it is a constant dilemma, right? Um, Just the ethics of doing that and not sharing 100%. Um, Is that something that you deal with as well? And if so, what is your process when it comes to what you choose to put out there and choose not to? Yeah, I think being authentic, we are all messy, right? So I would say like when, I, when I'm on Miss Instagram, for example, I'm not posting anything that's very sad or that's very struggling because the motive of that Instagram is to be a happy place and inspiring and an inspirational place for people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that my house isn't messy or <laughs> my life isn't messy. We all have that. But so I always acknowledge that like and say, look, guys, and sometimes I show that through behind the scenes. So it might not be on my feed, but people who are following that would see those behind the scenes of what happens when I'm shooting and how my how my bedroom looks after a shoot with all the clothes around. So I guess uh, there, there has to be a balance. Uh, obviously, we all want to put out pleasing, you know, great looking pictures uh, of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge that we are all humans and we will all have some positives and negatives. 
I can talk about all healthy eating, but doesn't mean that I don't binge eat on chocolates and crisps sometimes. So <laughs> we're all work in progress. I completely agree with that. Um, a lot of times people will be like, oh, social media is fake. Look, you're just smiling in all your photos. And I'm like, well, it's still a part of me. It's not like I'm being inauthentic. It's a version of myself. And sometimes I feel like it's good to not really show everything on social media because then you're not keeping anything to yourself. So um, how do you actually strike a good balance between like what to post and what not to post? Because I know that you have quite a bit of content out there with your family. Do you have any like rules around that? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, yes, you're right. Like it start the blog. So if I take you back, my blog started as a fashion blog over the years. It has then merged into travel or food and lifestyle. And that's more so because the audience relates to that content as well. So uh, when uh, my son is now seven years, I don't think I've shared a lot of pictures of him for the first few years of his life because I wasn't comfortable with that. So for some people, it, they knew that I had a son, but they never like got exposed to him as much. I think over last year or so, I started like a bit more gradually opening up to it. But that's also because he's getting comfortable you know, uh, with me taking his pictures and he's like happily posing for them because I don't want to be forced. Like uh, his name is Aditya. I don't want to force him and say, Aditya, pose here or do this. But now he's enjoying it. So I'm enjoying that process with him. And it's all, all about that comfort level with the family. Uh, but at the same time, I want him to have that privacy. So, you know, being able to go to school, being able to talk to people without thinking that every part of his life is on show on social media yeah that's a good way to go about it I feel like I really like seeing children who've like consented to being on social media and um you definitely started off as a fashion blogger but now you've become so much more than that and your Instagram is really a representation of you but at the same time there's a cohesiveness in your feed and all your images are kind of related to one another on your Instagram and in a way, you've kind of created a bit of a brand about yourself. So um, this is an actual question that Ashna and I just wish to learn from. But how do you create a good brand around yourself? Because in all these ways, you know, all these Instagram accounts in some way or the other, it's kind of like building a brand. Yeah, I think you're right. It's like building a brand for either the name, which is like maybe it's a blog for that matter or for yourself, right? So we are all building our brands day in and day out, whether we acknowledge that fact or not. And I read this quote somewhere once which said like, work <laughs> till you don't have to introduce yourself. Well, that's a hard one, <laughs> but let's go with that. When when it comes to brand, I would say, uh, think about what, what do you stand for or what does the brand that you're trying to create stands for. And uh, I, I was actually working on creating a brand about last month as well for a company that I work for. And it was all about like going through going through your circle as well and talking to them about it and saying, okay, do you think this relates to what I'm going to be doing? And then, you know, putting some words, what are the themes that come out? Like, you know, uh, if it's a, it's a beauty brand, what do we stand for? What are we going to achieve in five years? What's, now I'm going to use maybe a bit of jargon, which is like, what's my vision or what do I, what's my mission and I'm trying to achieve? Why should people care about us? If you can answer those questions, you've probably got your brand out there. As I, for Fashion for Oils, as I said, it's, it's very aspirational. It's a brand where I think people should come, women should come and have some inspiration about how to have a happy life. You know, whether it's about finding the right clothes, whether it's about having that healthy lifestyle or just getting those inspirations of what to do. It only started when I came 
from India to UK. So this was my way of sharing what I'm learning in the process. And I felt like, especially for my generation, in India, we don't have our mothers telling us how to wear Western clothes. Like there was, there is no real guidance, whereas people who live abroad, they have that like from get go, they know, they get those tips from family and they've been exposed to all those things. Whereas I feel like Indian audience or Indian Indian girls still used to struggle at my time with like, you know, what's fashion and how to go about it because we had two different cultures intermingling, which is like Indian and Western. <laughs> so for me, it was all about sharing my expo- uh, experience of what I'm going through when I'm outside and what I'm learning and sharing those style tips. I, in fact, went and did a styling course here in London. That was right around when I started my blog, just to add that styling flair as well. Not just having a real life uh, fashion blog, but also having like styling tips for people that that I'm talking to. Mm. And speaking of courses, I actually did want to bring this up because I love the journey you had with your education. I mean, you recently just graduated from a postgraduate degree and I feel like sometimes maybe it's part of the Indian culture, but a lot of people are pressured to finishing their education super quickly. Like you just finish one thing, get some work experience, start the other. And I guess sometimes that could be super limiting and just not what you need. So do you have any advice for someone who might be feeling a little lost or pressurized or just don't know? I think we can never finish learning, right? Like, I think even five years down the line, I would still be looking at another, maybe not a degree, maybe a degree, who knows for that matter. But we are all learning. World is evolving so fast. Like, the pace of innovation has changed. It is not every 20 years we have something that is innovation and it's changing. We are going through a phase of innovation every five to six years. Uh, And in that case, I feel like we all have to have that open mindset of learning every day. Uh, In terms of education, I would say I felt like we have to sometimes take a pause and experience real life because uh, and then maybe go back to education. That worked really well for me. I've, I've seen students who go from graduate to master's without having any real life job experience. And I feel like that is lacking. I wouldn't say one has to take 10 years of break before doing another master's like me but just having maybe one or two years of real life experience that could be a gap year in college uh, before going back just to find out what you really enjoy about you know when you're working in a company because I've had people who think uh, you know they want to be in uh, uh, for example I thought I could be in programming but when I started I felt like that's not the thing for me so it's just like going into that experience and figuring out for yourself is very important before you do your master's as well in the same field and feel like you've now wasted another two set of years before figuring that out. So yeah, I think uh, it's all about learning. Uh, There are opportunities within universities these days also. You can get, you know, work experience on the side or you can have a gap year, as I said, or you could do internships. So, you know, use that opportunity if you have. Uh, And that would definitely help you understand which path, even within marketing, for example, there are like 10 or 15 different fields to specialize in. So how do you figure that out before you've actually uh, worked? So yeah, that's that's my advice for people who are thinking what to do yeah. next. Yeah, I completely agree. And also, you know, when people ask you the question, like, so what do you do? I find that sometimes it can be so hard to answer because it's like, do I tell you what I studied or 
what I have experience working in or what I actually do and just fitting it into that one sentence can be so hard. So how do you answer that question or think how someone should? Yeah, that that's that's true. But we all have to like be able to define ourselves. Like I would say I'm a, I'm a social media fanatic. I've said that all day out. <laughs> I love social media and I love marketing, you know. And so that that's me. But yeah, no profession should not define us there is a lot more to life we are a human being so what you're sharing at that time maybe is just one part of yourself which could be like 25 percent if you put in numbers if somebody likes numbers so you're never sharing 100 percent the 100 percent is always shared with the family they know your true self and that will always be and then everybody else probably gets to see only 25 to 30 percent of what is relevant to them i guess Absolutely. Um, Okay, and now one last question. Um, I know at the start, we said that, you know, you started off a blog as something that was kind of, you know, your side hustle. And now it's something that has really become a big part of your brand and your presence on social media. So do you have any advice for people on how to monetize a hobby? Because, you know, when you work in a creative industry, you need to have multiple streams of income. Sure, I think... uh... What I would say is uh, work, don't look at short-term gain. First thing, look at long-term mm-hmm. value that your side hustle is going to add. Uh, if you are looking at multiple income streams, first of all, find find something that really uh, makes you happy, which you are passionate about. As I said, side hustles are always painful. <laughs> they take a lot of energy. So if you love something, you would probably put the effort without somebody like forcing you, like your mom saying, have you done your studies? That wouldn't be the case, right? Your mom wouldn't be there to tell you anymore. So you have to be self-motivated now. And if that's the case, then yes, passion really wins. And after that, I would say once you're in there, this for about one or two years, maybe shorter time, you'd find your feet, understand how to monetize it. Different industries get monetized differently. So, you know, whether it's a blog or whether you are in a creative industry or you are an artist, you would con- make connections with people who would help you explore what monetization could look like for that industry. But always, always look for long-term value uh, rather than short-term gain because short-term gains are easy. They don't probably add as much value when you look five years down the line. So yes. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. That's so true. Just one more thing. Were there ever any milestones where you were like, oh, I've made it now? <laughs> There was one which I think a lot of my friends know about and this one is cheesy. I think the one that I was really, really passionate about was like having being verified now. So the day I got verified was like, yes, I think like I've even though I had a smaller follow account than a lot of people uh, at that time, I felt like, yes, that means like people are aware about me because I never applied for it. And it just happened. And I think it happened a day, day plus or minus my birthday. So that was even a bigger game. I was like, okay, Instagram's making me happy today. (laughs) I'm freaking out. That's so amazing. Like you just woke up and there was that sweet blue check. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh my God, that looks like a birthday game. (laughs) Maybe it was. Maybe that's what Instagram does. I don't know. Then we all should celebrate our birthdays. Oh my God. Wow. That's such an amazing milestone just finishing on that I think we all create milestones I have more milestones and I hope to accomplish and I think that's how it works right you have to create milestones you have to plan for things 
And what I've always said is like have something to celebrate when you achieve that milestone because that makes it all the more enjoyable. So, you know, I always have those little treats planned to say, whether it's blog or whether if it's like, if I would lose another five kilos, I would probably go and buy that outfit. <laughs> that could be one as well. Yeah, I fully relate to that. And so does Ashna, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, our like milestone we, when we like start, first started this podcast was that if we could earn like a thousand rupees, we would go and treat ourselves to dosas <laughs> and swati snacks. <laughs> it's so cheesy, but... It's us. That's great. Even I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just to wrap up, I'd really like to thank you for this episode. I mean, we've had a really lovely chat with you. We've spoken about things from time management to side hustles to having a family to celebrate with at the end of the day and self-motivation. And I think just listening to this episode again when I'm feeling a little confused or demotivated will be so so helpful so thank you so much for agreeing to do this episode with us <laughs> you're welcome i think you guys can call me as well I, i'll give you some motivation talk you if you ever need <laughs> thank you so much arjuna you have honestly been such an insightful and informative guest and we're just so happy to have you here with us today thank you zara and thank, thank you arjuna it's it's been amazing Thank you for having me. Thank you. And we'll see all of you next time.